Welcome back to 5050 Films. I'm Peter. And I'm Autumn. We're going to get right on into it this week. We watched Metal Lords. Yes. It is a 2022 film. I don't... Is it a Netflix film? It is? Yeah. Okay. Um, this is one that I had kind of seen the preview for while browsing for movies one time. I think I had something else in mind. And I was like, uh, I'm interested in that. I think I'll get to it. And then this week, I've... We're so busy, so I have no idea why I wanted a short movie, but it was one of those days where it was like, I definitely want to make sure we were watching a movie, but I didn't want anything too long. And this one popped up. It's an hour and a half. And I was like, perfect. I've been meaning to watch this. It's fairly short. So we finally did watch it. That's pretty good for me. I tend to put things off, like movies and books. If I like think they'll be good, I just don't read them or watch Constantly them. Constantly them for a rainy day. I know, because I'm like, well, I want to do this at the perfect time when I will love it, and, you know, obviously there's no such thing. But we both rated this movie entertaining, yes. which is about what I was expecting going into it. And every once in a while, I feel like we both do this, pick movies that we know aren't going to be, like, the best movies we've ever seen, but are going to be fun, and we, like, think we're going to like um, and so we did enjoy this one. This movie is about Kevin Schleib or Schlieb. I can't remember how they, Schlieb, I think. How they said it. Uh, and his friend Hunter Sylvester. His friend Hunter is obsessed with metal. And Kevin's kind of obsessed with the fact that he thinks he's a loser at school and wants to be more popular. And so Hunter seems to think that metal is going to be the the answer to all of their problems. So Kevin learns how to play the drums so that he can be in this band called Skullfucker that Hunter is creating. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to perform in Battle of the Bands, but they don't have a bass player, and they feel like that's something that they really need. And so Kevin actually gets really good at the drums and kind of starts to really like metal himself because of the playlist that Hunter has given him. And so he is learning all the songs. He stays after school to practice, and that's where he like officially meets Emily, who is a transfer student from the UK, and she plays the cello. And so Kevin's really pushing for Emily to be able to be in their band, and Hunter is dead set on the cello is not metal. Um, and so it's really just the story, <laughs> the story of that, of Kevin and Hunter's friendship, of the way that metal kind of tears them apart and brings them back together again. Um, this idea of being ostracized at school. And we even see, like, there are different kinds of the quote-unquote cool kids because there are the kids who, like, beat Hunter up at a party. But then there's another very popular kid who has his own band who is, like, always so kind to them um, despite their different social statuses or whatever. So what did you think overall of this movie? I thought it was fun. You know, I haven't really thought about it, so I think my entertaining was warranted, right? It wasn't memorable, really. Um, but it was fun, yeah. Uh, I think that it always, they had... Sorry. No, that's okay. It, it always feels so harsh to say something wasn't memorable, but I feel like that's just like, you don't expect every movie to be, you know? Like, no. some things you just want to be good while you're experiencing it, and yes. then it's totally fine that you just move on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so I think that 
adding the kid, the guys with the other like mediocre band, right, was important. Not just for the fact that they were genuinely like good guys, you know, mm-hmm. just like nice guys, right? Um, like not out to get anybody, not not trying to be assholes, just good good people. Um, I and which juxtaposed some of the shittier people in this movie. Um, but I think they needed to have the shitty band in there because Hunter and Kevin and Emily are all excellent musicians. Mm-hmm. They can, like, Emily can sight read. Um, Cello music, yeah. Yeah. She's crazy good. Or she sight, she sight read his drum music somehow and mm-hmm. which that doesn't make any sense because that I don't I don't think you could sight read percussion and get the correct notes for um for any like woodwind slash string slash brass like it's yeah, just totally enough. completely fucking different it could have had more than just yeah it, I'm, I'm thinking it, it had, had to, have. to have yeah um so I mean like because she gets sight read and she's really good at the cello uh, Hunter is like you know self-taught, actually really solid at guitar. Yeah, this is his right? life. That's like, like he's yeah. like spent the last three years getting good at the guitar. Kevin, uh, I would cons- I would say is a drum prodigy. Um, purely based on the fact that he's like mid at drums, and then he gets this playlist like homework right, and is just like without the sheet music listening to and then learning the songs mm-hmm. right i mean which is possible it's actually probably easier for drummers to do that um if you can pick the drums out of the song mm-hmm. right um i when i when i used to take drum lessons i was we did that with a journey song um, but you could very clearly hear the the drums in the journey song yeah. for some of the metal stuff it gets a little more difficult but like like that's impressive like you know pulling all that stuff out and like he had a double bass kit right which like i mean a five piece kit can be complicated so like two you're like that's like two pedals and you're switching your foot from what from one of the bass pedals to the hi-hat to change things up because the hi-hat has a pedal as well so it's like three pedals you're dealing with uh, multiple tom drums, um, a couple four, I think he had like two four toms, it looked like, um, and like the full complement of cymbals. Like, that's a lot of, a lot of like zones to keep track of when you're like moving your hands around and stuff. Incredible hand eye coordination required to use one of those kits, um, and be good at it. And he was good at it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, just learning those songs, he like just became good at normally drumming. Mm-hmm. You know, just like, like, uh, ad lib drumming. Yeah, a little like kind of side plot for it is that the other band, um, I forget who Clay. Clay is the guy who is the the head of this other band. They're basically just like a pop cover band. Like they play Shape of You by Ed Sheeran a couple times in the movie. They have a drummer who is constantly high is the idea. And so he ends up having to go to rehab at one point and Kevin fills in for them and yeah, there's just this, like, stark contrast of, like, how easy it is for Kevin to just kind of sit in on this band, and, like, he's almost bored. He, like, starts playing 
things by to himself eat. adding he, like, it up a yeah, bit. yeah because he's he's bored he's used to like much more complicated yeah. music um so there's just this stark contrast we like get to see kevin playing in both groups yeah for this wedding mm-hmm. yeah um I'm actually curious. We have the the IMDb pulled up for this to look at the the cast members' names, um, and the kid who plays Clay, his picture is him singing. So yeah. I wonder if he's actually like a good singer that they had be a bad singer, which I think is like sometimes it's harder to play a bad singer than it is to play a good singer. I right? Hard agree with that. So I wonder if this kid actually like. <laughs> that's like his 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 vibe is like actually like singing and stuff like the pictures are are of him like on stage anyway um yeah i i thought that was fun so like our main story for like interpersonal here is we, we have you know kevin's difficulty with hunter right um because hunter's like you know kind of obs- self-obsessed with this like like doomer personality he's got yeah, going and on. that's not something we've really like discussed in the overview no and so it's Hunter and Kevin, like, basically eventually fighting because Kevin, he does become more... He starts to, like, break out of just being a loser loner kid, right? And what helps is the bullies get suspended for two weeks um, because they, like, I don't really cut some of Hunter's hair off or something. Yeah, they did. Which is assault, so they... Yeah, um, that scene was hard to watch. Yeah. And that's... In this movie, there are times where you're, like actually actively rooting against hunter because he is not a good friend to kevin for a lot of this movie but he also just like got such a bad yeah he's very clearly in pain and then also being like heavily bullied by these like yeah he has a ton of issues at home because his mom left and his dad just he and his dad do not get along and his dad's always off no she left even in the very beginning kevin says she left but then they pan to this part in his basement where it's a photo of kid hunter his dad and his mom but his mom's like ripped out oh yeah that's that's worse then yeah yeah he um he's angry yeah he's <laughs> angry and like he takes it out on kevin because kevin's the only person who's really close to him right um and kevin you know he's got his own problems but he you know meets emily right um and they like they hit it off and like you know he they they like you know, lose their virginity to each other. We have to talk about that. It's such an awkward scene, but also, like... Just the discussion. We don't, like, see anything, but the way they, like, discuss it. It is, like, awkward, uncomfy in, like, the most authentically high school. I know. I was like, I can see that happening between two fucking band nerds. I was not like, this is unrealistic. I was like, I do not want to (laughs) listen to this. Because what it was, was they... They weren't even dating yet. They were just kind of friends. They had been playing this music together. He brought her around to see Hunter, and Hunter, like, shut her down and, like, shut the idea of having her in the band down. And Kevin's all mad, and he yells at Hunter, like, do you want us to die virgins? And then he's so embarrassed because he just said that in front of Emily, that they're both virgins. And Hunter's like, yeah, she probably knew anyway. Um, And so she calls him later and is like, you know, do you... I am too. Do you too. want to not be? Do you want to not be together? <laughs> you have thingies for your thingy. Yeah, it was really. It was like like we said. It was uncomfortable, but not in a way that was like unrealistic. In fact, it was probably very realistic. Yeah. Um. It was. It was. It was believable. And they like hooked up in their parents' van or something. I guess yeah. or whatever. 
Uh, yeah, I mean... So he his character kind of starts to change once he gets to know Emily a little bit better. And he's like... And you can see that Hunter is like trying to pull him back because Hunter feels like he's losing the one person who like actually listens to him and pays attention to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he... Instead of, like, you know, helping Kevin out or trying to be kinder to Kevin to keep him around, he's doing, you know, the angsty teen thing of, like, really just pushing Kevin away more and more. He actually shows up, so, as I mentioned earlier, Kevin fills in for the other band. And it's for Clay's sister's wedding. That's why they ask him, because Clay promised his sister they would do her wedding and then their drummer had to go to rehab. And Hunter gets all decked out in, like, kiss levels of makeup. He's got spikes on everywhere. He can have spikes. Um, And just, like, walks up to the wedding venue like this. And I hated that. Well, he walks up, and he's, like, still way outside of the place. No one else can see him. And the security guard's like, you're not going in. Yeah, immediately he is caught. But just the fact that he even tried to go... Again, this is, you know, if I was a high schooler, I don't know how I would feel about that scene, but as someone who has had a wedding, I'm like, oh, hell no. Like, that is not okay. And then, <laughs> and then the security guard just nut taps him with his baton. Oh my gosh, and yeah. just goes down like the a sack of The littlest amount of effort, and he is, he's down for the count. And his dad has to come pick him up from jail, and he can't get any of his, like, accessories back because mm-hmm. they're counted as, as weapons, so they're forfeited to the mm-hmm. police department. Was funny. Eventually, Hunter goes to rehab. Yes, or... his dad sends him to rehab, um, and I don't know what he thought he was going to get out of that. Like rehab would make his metal addiction go away or something. Like yeah, that's where the story got a little bit hazy. It for was me. <laughs> it was kind of dumb, uh, and then uh, and then he finds out that at rehab the main doctor is this this guy that he had been idolizing. This like guy from a from a, a different band called Kiloton or whatever. Yeah, that won the Battle of the Bands that, that the, he's trying yeah. to do. It's a Battle of the Bands movie. We didn't say that yet, but... I, like, barely mentioned Because it doesn't it, really but... matter, you know? It's not like they're trying to win it to save the orphanage or whatever. They're just, like... It's really just... I would say... Fun. I would say more than anything, this is about Kevin and Hunter's friendship, like, yeah. regardless of everything else, but... Yeah, it yeah. is cool. He does, he, he does get to meet... Um, one of his heroes who basically like helps him escape so that he can go compete in Battle of the Bands and they even, they take the the guy from the other band addicted from weed, he is also at the same rehab, and they basically just tell him like, we're gonna take you to this but then you really have to come right back <laughs> like the guy who's busting you him out you have to come right back, right? Yeah, like, like, yeah. yeah like, you, you seriously actually need to be here, but like, we'll save you real quick so yeah. you can Battle of the Bands so both bands get to compete, and oh my gosh, the Hunter finally agrees to let Emily be in the band. This concept, I can't believe I haven't said this yet in the like 15 minutes we've been talking, but this concept of having a cello in a metal band is exactly why I wanted to watch this movie. Because I had a friend in college who had a band that was like an, an alternative sort of yeah. band, but they had a saxophone. And ever since, like, hearing how great that was, I'm just, like, enamored with this idea of, like, you know, contemporary music of any sort with, like, an unexpected instrument. 
And I just loved how the metal music sounded with the cello in it. Have you seen, uh, like, electric violins? Yeah. They look, like, as wild as that electric cello did. Oh my gosh, her cello was insane. It had, like, it had, like rib cage ribs coming out yeah. of it. Or, like, these, like, metal, like, ribs. It was, it was pretty cool. Peter did not like the, uh, the hot goth, goth girl reveal. <laughs> well, no, I, I thought it was, I didn't mind it, but I thought it was, it, it's like a trope that was, like, that they telegraphed so hard. And, like, because she wears the baggiest possible clothing constantly. And, I mean, she looks comfortable, so that's fine. I actually really liked but, her like But, like, she was wearing, like, 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 librarian, like, long flowy skirts and like like big like sweaters not flowy like 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 wispy flowy but flowy like like thick skirts and like big baggy sweaters like three sizes too big like and then they have her like show up in the like the the corset and stockings and like or like fishnets or whatever like okay yes we knew you were building up to this you wanted to make her like the hot goth metal girl at this you know but the funny thing is before they they asked her to be in the battle man she goes no, I'm not ready. And then, like, then when she shows up, she's like, now I'm ready. Yeah, they <laughs> like, think she's not ready because she, she said, like, no, hasn't. Like, 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 she wasn't going to come. But it was yeah. just no, as in, like, no, I, I got to go. I got to, like, change. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, my... Honestly, the main things that kind of bothered me in this movie maybe were kind of surrounding Emily. I did really... There, There is this, I... Oh... They don't, I don't think they ever outright say it, but she has some sort of, like, anger issues, mental mm-hmm. health thing going on. And there is this just, like, Kevin and her relationship with Kevin, like, fixes her sort of thing that goes on. She, like, even tells Kevin one time that she, like, doesn't need to take her pills because he is her happy pill. And I, like, turned to Peter and I was like, see, that is something that, like, when you're an adult, you have a whole different view on. Like, as a high school, it's like, oh my gosh, that's so romantic. Like, you were my happy pill. You make me so happy. As an adult, you're like, girl, take your pills. He is not your happy pill. (laughs) Very different. He can make you happy and you can take your pills. I think they were were trying to intimate that she was, like, bipolar or something like that. She, like, just, like freak out on people yeah they never outright or manic said depressive it. or something they you know? did say she had medication and she did say that he was her happy pill and, yeah um i uh, was not very down with that there was another point that i was i want to get your take on it because i i actually was like i thought it was kind of i don't know if refreshing is the right word but i was happy with it um there's a point after the wedding where he gets a little drunk on some champagne um, that, you know, Clay just hands him a bottle. He's like, hey, man, you want to come over and drink or whatever? He, like, and he ends up, like, like walking over, and the, apparently, like, a lot of the people from the high school are, in the, like, fucking around the hot tub. And then, like, a couple of, like, naked girls run past him or whatever. And then he's, like, there's this girl that he had talked to at a party previously before he was, like, dating Emily, right? Um, and, like, you know, he, he's actually wasn't too bad at talking to her while drunk, which was, you know... Something I think he had internalized is like, a, oh, I actually might be able to be a semi-popular person because, you know, yeah. <laughs> if I can get over my own, like, anxiety or whatever. That's his, talk to it people. becomes very clear throughout the movie, like, and Kevin realizes, too, that he's the only one that's been holding himself back yeah. from, like, having more friends and fitting yeah, in. Yeah, just being too nervous to do stuff. Like, once he starts saying yes to things, like, he starts, like, actually... Kind of like you when you were in high school. Yeah, How exactly. Cute. Um, <laughs> so he, but he's, like, he ends up, like, you know, like... I don't know, he gets in the hot tub with her or something, and then she, like, moves over real close to him, 
Um, and there's this 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 neat little scene with like four or five like a- actual legendary metal people. Like Tom Morello's there, and then like the dude from Iron Maiden, and a couple other people that I, don't, mm-hmm. I didn't, couldn't couldn't recognize. I only recognized Tom Morello actually. They named the other guy. <laughs> like I was like, I don't know who the other people are, but that's Tom Morello because he's wearing a shirt that says "I play guitar." Was he the like, one involved in the movie? Like, was he? The yeah, one he had used an executive producer. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I was. I thought that was. I was, I was like, they're, they're like they're talking about like like because the girl like starts to like kind of like kiss his neck a little bit, like she wants to make out with him or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and and. There's this like this talk between the metal guys, and one of them is like, "Yeah, man, go for it." And then and like the, the next couple of people are like, "Tom Morello's like, I don't know, it's really how you want to start your metal career, like you know, cheating on your girlfriend kind of thing." Um, and then a couple other guys agree with him, and then he ends up like, you know, saying, "I'm sorry, I have to go. I have a girlfriend." And I was so happy that that didn't come up again. I didn't want that to come up again. I was like, I was like, there's already so much conflict in this fucking movie. I can't, I can't handle, uh, like, uh, like cheating on me accusations from like, from that. I was, I was like, you know what? I, I'm just glad I don't have, like, in every movie where there's a, like every rom-com, there's always that the kind of misunderstanding with like a different person or something like that. And he didn't make any outright moves aside from getting in the hot tub, which that's not very excusable, right? You know, but he, as a, like a, you have to wonder how drunk that kid actually was. And he's, yeah, he's underage and he's drinking a whole bottle of champagne or whatever. Like, bad decision, okay, to get in the hot tub. He didn't, like, go in for anything on her. She was, like, trying to mess around with him. And I was like, I was like, I was already thinking in my head, I'm like, oh my god, is there going to be another conflict where he, like, really pisses off Emily and they have, like, this big blowout and there's got to be some sort of wrong... He's already done... Uh, in Hunter's... I almost call him Trevor, I don't know why. He seemed like a Trevor to me. Hunter's already, like, being a total asshole and we already have him fighting Hunter. He's <laughs> fighting his own personal, like, nervous demons to try to become, a, like, a, a, a normal kid. I was like... I was like, I do not want a, a third or fourth or fifth version, like, like angle of conflict from the what did you do at the at the party? I'm surprised that it didn't. It would have. It wouldn't have come I up. Say, so you think her. it's okay that no, absolutely Emily not. Never found out about that. No, that actually really bothers me. I understand what you're saying. Yes, I didn't, I didn't want, want to watch conflict. it. <laughs> I didn't want to watch it. Yeah, but it, it bothers me that it didn't happen. And I feel like if they were gonna do it that way, then they needed him to immediately shut the other girl down. Because he and Emily are still kind of new. So if the second that girl, like, moved towards him and he was like, okay, no, I have a girlfriend, I could see him, like, maybe yeah. not even mentioning it to Emily. Like, we're still kind of new. I shut it down. Like, it's fine. But the fact that she was, like, on him for a good couple minutes. like While well, the other metal guys yeah, had this discussion. Yeah, he stood still, whatever. But, like, the fact that he didn't tell em- Emily, like, really bothers yeah. me. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I... I understand. I'm willing to chalk it up to him being drunk and very socially awkward that he didn't say anything earlier. And I mean, who knows? Like the you know the the way that the conversation between the metal guys is being said could have been just like a like I mean if they show it as it be taking time, but it could have just been like one of those instant like like I'm like watching this whole thing unfold and then just like immediately like no. <laughs> but I mean that I'm suspending disbelief a little bit in order to mm-hmm. like justify him so that he doesn't. But, like, you, you figure it, it should have come up, right? 
Um, like, I'm just, I'm just glad that they uh, they chose to do that off screen, I guess, and then not mention it. I, it was a weird scene that, like, I'm not sure if it needed to be included. I guess they were trying to pay off him, like, having a successful chat with this girl. Um, I am glad that he didn't, like, make any moves on her, right? Like, make any moves on her, like, while they were in the hot tub, you know? Like, like, because he, he sat, like, decently far away from her, like, you know, and then, like, she moved over to him and whatever, and I'm not trying, you know, I'm really not trying to justify his actions, but I am glad that it, they didn't go, like, the, when they directed the movie, they didn't go for, like, a, well, we're going to make him, like, get too big for his... Yeah, it would have like, been out of character. Yeah, it, it would have felt out of character if, if he had, like, all of a sudden got really overconfident, even drunk. And, like, been like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm gonna make out with this girl, too. And that's what they had the metal guys talking about, you yeah. know, like, and one of them's like, yeah, and the other one's like, no, you don't wanna start your metal career, like, you know, fucking around with people, you know, you wanna, you know, have strong personal relationships kind of thing, you know? And I was like, I was like, okay, good. And then, I was happy it didn't come up. I feel like, from a storytelling standpoint, if this was a book, it probably would've come up. But... I'm glad the movie wasn't longer than it was, you know, like they would have had, it would have been a long period of time to like fix that with them. Yeah. And she was very necessary for the whole like Battle of the Bands plot stuff. Yeah. So I think it just, it, I'm confused as, uh, I just think it fit weird, I guess is what I'm kind of coming from. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I'm glad we didn't have the whole, they fight and argue about it and then make up because it wouldn't have fit in the movie. But then, you know, it feels like they really wanted to have him have to make a decision and have the metal guys talk about it. And that was the best thing they could think of. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that, I feel like that's where I'm coming from here. You know what I mean? Okay. So, we've talked about this movie for, like, quite a while. But yeah, we for still, too long. Mostly because of this last scene. We still need to cover the end of the Battle of the Bands. Yes. Um, a ton of amps fall on top of Hunter. Mm-hmm. And his leg gets so messed up that the bone is sticking yeah, out. Yeah, it's really metal. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And so that's why Clay's band wins the, the Battle of the Bands. Um, yeah. These guys, they get second place or something, yep. don't they? They get second place, but their picture is the big picture in the, yeah, in the paper. Yeah. Right. And they, I honestly, they probably would have won if it hadn't been such a disaster yeah. at the end. But the yeah. mosh pit, you know. And Hunter, I like Hunter's not like fully redeemed, you know. Like he he doesn't end the movie as like the best guy ever, but he's like trying to be better. And I feel like that's so yes. much more realistic than just like oh we're all happy now and we're all friends, you know. It's just like. You know what? I value my my friendship with Kevin, and like maybe I need to think about him more. more yeah, than I am. and and with his whole like, at the very end, like when he when they talk, they were talking about the new newspaper article, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he seems more happy with the fact that there are pictures on the front page. You know, people are going to remember their performance because of the broken leg thing, <laughs> um, and that and that like and he and they like they're like yeah, but we should have won. Like they sucked, and he's like yeah, but Clay's a good guy. And it's like that's like that's his like his, the only bit of real redemption that Hunter has is like a well at least you know he's understanding like 
that not everyone else is out to get him and there are some other people in the world that are like maybe you know yeah what was refreshing about this movie to me was that that like the rival band were not like the assholes there are asshole kids in this movie but like the the band they're going up against are like just nice people they all can get along once hunter kind of gets over himself yeah and at the end this this kid who's been bullying him gets off his suspension and they will get fucking wasted or whatever and uh and they come back in and i th- i thought that that kid was gonna fuck something up with their performance um but that kid just inadvertently starts the mosh pit and that's the yeah. only that's like the only thing that happens that I mean, the mosh pit is what ends up, you know, breaking his leg and messing up the performance because they move a monitor that he's got his foot right. on. But it wasn't as purposeful. Yeah, as it, it wasn't. It been. wasn't as purposeful as him getting up on stage and like beating the shit out of him, which is what he looks like he's planning to do before the mosh pit starts. I yeah. cannot believe we talked about this movie for half an hour. That's it's because of my whole diatribe on. But but honestly, like this is what anytime we like rate a movie entertaining always in the back of my head i'm like are we gonna be able to like really talk about this because yeah. some movies are just like fun and there's not a lot to discuss so i'm just like absolutely floored yeah that we've been talking about this for a full half hour yeah we're gonna stop now okay <laughs> well this uh media break should be short at least for my end because uh, i don't think i've done much besides homework to be quite honest uh, movies separately, I have watched Spider-Man Homecoming. That's the next in the lineup. My friend Michaela and I are doing a Marvel rewatch. If you didn't know, if you're new to this, uh, we just watched Spider-Man Homecoming. That's what we're on. I love Spider-Man. It is so good. It's so fun. I love Tom Holland. I love Zendaya. I love, uh, the character of Ned, especially in this first movie. He's just so fun because he's the first one who, like, figures out that that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And just that whole scene is so good. Um, so that was a lot of fun. I'm really excited to continue on with that. And just, like, the Spider-Man-Iron Man relationship is so good. And I, like, forgot how, like, pivotal that was even this early on. Have you watched any movies separately? No. Yeah, I kind of figured. Uh, TV Together, we've been watching Jane the Virgin. Still. Yep. Not as often as we would like. We did get one episode in tonight. Uh, We we try to get an episode in most weeknights, but sometimes it just doesn't work. Yeah, and it's hard with Jane specifically, or any show that's like in the kind of 40, 45 minute format. Because if it's 20 minutes, for some reason, it is so much harder to schedule out like, oh, we'll watch one episode of this you know, 40 something minute show when we could easily sit down and be like, oh, let's watch two. Watch three episodes it's the drunk. same period of time. <laughs> for some reason, it just like does not work out like that. So we did watch one tonight. Um, it has gotten kind of sad. But also, there was the sweetest line tonight. Yeah, we're in depression season right now. Yeah, but Raphael said something that made me so happy I cried. So. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. As far as TV separately, I have only been watching The Real Housewives of Atlanta. If you were invested in last week's drama where they took it off of Hulu, and I was very sad, uh, you will be happy to know that I got my mom's Peacock information, and I am now watching it with ads um, on that platform. But I'm on season 10, and I think they're doing 14 now. So, like, I'm almost caught up. So... We'll see. It's, like, weird to watch with ads after going so long. It's, like, weird to even call them ads, you know? Mm Because, like, when we were kids, or, like, that middle generation, you know? Like, 
my little cousin is not really gonna know what it was like to like actually watch TV to pop on Cartoon Network and just yeah. binge for like an hour and a half and see so many ads for Kids Bop. You want to like drill a hole in your own hit and your your ear. <laughs> like, ugh. oh my God, the Lionel Coin Bank ads. I don't even remember what 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 uh, channel did those, but I just remember. Lionel Coin Bank, Lionel Coin Bank, save your money, save your money. I do not know that. It's for train kids. I think, I think it was, I don't know if, it, yeah, right, I, I, don't, I don't know if it was, like, Nickelodeon, I think it might have Nickelodeon is what it played on, it was weird. But, yeah, anyway. I have a, I have a friend who had a Lionel Coin Bank because he's was a train guy. It was yeah. Connor. <laughs> Checks out. What have you been watching, TV-wise? Nothing. Nothing? No. I, I still want to watch the rest of cl- uh, Classroom of the Elite. Um, some uh, Cyberpunk Edge Runners just came out on Netflix, and I really want to watch it with the boys because it looks so f***ing good. Um, it looks so good. Uh, supposedly, it's one of the, one of the few, like, it's... it's <laughs> someone said it was the second... Uh, good TV video game adaptation. Um, I don't know if there's been more than that, uh, for TV shows at least. Um, but people, people, because it's, you know, it, it's a video, it's, you know, it's a show off a video game. The only other one I know that was really good was Arcane. So that would be the first. <laughs> this would be the second right. one. Um, I've heard, but I've heard it's really good and really fun and like really like gets into the whole cyberpunk like themes and grittiness and things like that. So I'm excited to watch it. I know some people's favorite characters probably die at some point. Like, I've had some minor spoilers for that. But, uh, yeah. Uh, it's only ten episodes, so I'll binge with my buddies at some point. I am still reading the same books as last week. I am still listening to Tess of the D'Urbervilles. I think I reached, like, 60% of the way through on my walk into campus today while I was listening. Um, I don't even want to know how many episodes in a row I've said. I'm listening to Tess of the Dirt Probably like four or five. It's like going on, yeah, it is going on like five weeks because I had to like recheck it out from the library and get them for three weeks. So I really need to get on that, especially because I just had my book club meeting for When Women Were Dragons last night, and our next book is Little Women, which I really want to listen to because I've read it before and I feel like it would be fun to listen to it. Um, so I need to get that done before the end of November, and my listening speed has kind of dwindled since I'm not in the car as much, which was to be expected, so I, like, don't, I'm not really, really worried about that, and I'm happy to not be in the car as much, so it's whatever, um, but I do really have to be picky when I'm, like, walking to school if I want to do music or podcast or audiobook that day, because it's, like, harder to keep up with everything. Um, and I am physically reading Small Angels by Lauren Owen, which is that book I kind of talked about last week that's sort of like this creepy haunted church in this woods that steals stories, and it's a ghost story. It's perfect for this time of year, and I'm loving it, but I'm only like 170 pages in. It's probably like a 300-and-something-page book. Um, I just... I, I usually can get in like a chapter or two every night before bed, but other than that, it's like pretty rare that I pick it up and read it. Every once in a while, I'll finish homework by the glorious hour of four o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday and like actually get to sit down and read it a little bit. But for the most part, it's been slow going. I, um, I'm still reading The King in Yellow. 
I got a couple of small of short stories further in. It's been pretty good. You know, little aspects of existential horror. I did I did do some little bit, do a little bit of research. Um I am pretty sure that Amber's Bierce wrote first. Then Chambers wrote and based some of the stuff off of Bierce. And then Lovecraft based stuff off of both of them. To like create that like interlinking gotcha reference stuff cause Bierce has the poem An Inhabitant of Carcosa um and that references a couple of things that Chambers writes of Carcosa in The King of Yellow the book the, King, the imaginary play The King of Yellow um so I've finished all the stories that deal with The King in Yellow in The King in Yellow so now I'm in the other short stories that just talk about other stuff and have these little sides. It's, it's fun. It's a good book. As far as gaming, I have not logged on to Animal Crossing even once this week. Peter Shion. I've been playing Destiny. Uh, Destiny 2. Still still going. And I, I foresee I will continue playing it for another month at least. Um, until you're done with your exams. <laughs> yeah. Uh, until I... Yeah, which, that's terrifying. I'm like, oh man, I, there's going to be a week where I have to play Destiny and I'm also going to be like, just like, winding down from exams. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I've been having fun with it. My content, it's getting more of like a... I'm not as like rushed to do anything in it now. I've finished most of the stuff and now I'm waiting for them to like put out every week's content patch for the season. Um, so I'm just kind of waiting for that stuff. Um, that's been fun. I played one day. Is it the 26th? It might still be going. I played one day of the uh, Modern Warfare 2, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 um, reboot uh, beta. Uh, played it with my buddy. Um, it was fun. Uh, but... Both of us were like, I'm glad they had this open beta so I could kind of play it and get a little bit of a feel for the gunplay and what it was going to feel like to play the game. Uh, neither of us are interested in buying it. <laughs> um, I want that story to be really good. I love Modern Warfare 2019. Uh, I picked up Modern Warfare 2019 um, in 2020. Uh, so I gave it a couple good weeks uh, before I let anything happen there. Or a couple good months before I picked up that game. Uh, which I think was the way to go because they had ironed out some of the problems with it uh, and sort of redid some of the gunsmithing systems that they had. Um, I think that Modern Warfare or 2 is going to be... I think the campaign has a lot of promise um, if they you know, if they do as good of a job in this one as they did in, the, in 2019. Uh, it's going to be good. Um, and I think that it, the game has a lot of promise. Um, I think that right now the menus are dog shit. Uh, they're truly awful. It is it is one of the worst UIs I've ever seen in my entire life, um, ever. Uh, it, it's complete. And, and I played Battlefield One, which was really bad as well. Uh, they put everything behind these weird big blades and shit. Like modern in in like six Call of Duties, they had it was menus that were just a list of fucking things you could cl- you could click. Campaign, multiplayer, whatever the third game mode they were bumping that, that year was. Options, 
uh, credits, some other things, and you would go into the multiplayer one, and then you'd have a, 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 was another list of words that described where you were going. Um, in this one, there's like fucking buttons up in the top corner, buttons in the bottom corner. Uh, it, it's 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 truly atrocious, and it, everything needs to because they're trying to make it look cool, but they've also they made it look cool, and also completely made it like batshit insane where you look for for UI stuff. It's bad, but yeah, the the gunplay was kind of fun, um, fun enough that John and I both mildly enjoyed it. My buddy I was playing with, um, but also not fun enough that we were gonna pick it up right away. Uh, I might see if it goes on sale. I do want to play the campaign. Uh, I'm very interested. I really enjoyed the first Reboots campaign. But, um, yeah, it's going to have to be better. Speaking of John, let's move on to movie number two for this week. John dies at the end. Yep. You just kept getting angrier and angrier, man. I think you're going to be getting phone calls from me for about the next couple months, like, from tonight. <laughs> we watched John Dies at the End, which Autumn already sort of hinted at, or I revealed. blatantly said. Blatantly spoiled in our uh, media review. It is in the title of the episode, you can't spoil it. You wouldn't know, because I do all the, all the behind-the-scenes work. But. Well, John Dies at the End um, is a sort of uh, cult horror movie. And by cult horror, I don't mean it's about a cult. I mean, like, you know, the genre cult horror. The cult likes it. Yeah. <laughs> the cults like it. Um, based on the book of the same title, John Dies at the End by David Wong. David Wong, of course, being the pseudonym that the writer is writing under for the book, and also the name of the main character of the book, David Wong, Dave. Um, uh, Dave is accompanied by his best friend, John Cheese. Um, Cheese is not his real last name. Uh, and uh, also by his... by a girl. She's just a girl in this one, but she becomes his girlfriend, Amy. Um, a person who has a... She's missing a hand. Is like her... One of her main, like plot point character traits it makes her very useful in a certain scene so the movie version of this story um is a little bit different from the book version mainly in uh it revolves around dave meeting a um a journalist journalist played by paul giamatti um named arnie arnie blondstone all right so arnie um has come to meet uh, Dave because he's trying to get Dave was like had like contacted him about this has this crazy story and he's trying to get the story out right they meet at a Chinese place um, and they're just sort of chatting about this whole thing and Dave's kind of telling him the story um, and so so that's the perspective we get for why this is being told like a story right and why why the story being told um, and that's not it's not like that in the book in the book it's just about you know him sort of writing about what happened to him right. Um, I watched this movie for the first time in high school. Uh, it was either junior or senior year. I don't really remember. Um, we watched it in my buddy John, the aforementioned John from Call of Duty Gaming. Um, we watched it in his house. Um, uh, 
possibly during a sleepover. Though Did I you can't guys quite remember. Just picked this movie because it was called. Yes, John Dies it was at the called end? John Dies at the End, and it looked like a goofy movie that we would watch. In I those... feel like you had to have watched it junior year because we started dating pretty early on in your senior year, and you already had read the book at that point. I think. I may have. I yeah. think you did. So, um, we, yeah, uh, we, we, we would look for movies that would be fun to, like, watch and make fun of. Um, purely, we picked this movie because it was called John Dies at the End in our book, and John was, you know, there. So, um, we, other, other movies we watched during this, this, uh, this time at John's house would have been, uh, we watched the 2012 Dread, which was really good, actually. Um, we watched uh, FDR American Badass, which was one of those movies that's like so awful, but it's really funny to watch and make fun of. That would be a bad but good movie if we watched it, I think, although you probably wouldn't enjoy it as much as I would. And the Inbetweeners movie, like, we just catch the funniest shit sometimes. So this one was, I really liked this movie on the first watch. I was like, oh, this, this is actually like really entertaining. Um, and it's it was intriguing and funny and like super like like occult horror-y, right? Like the, the concepts of, of the things that they're fighting are these like, you know, demons and extra planar entities that like are inv- invading Earth and these like occult entities that are like, you know, parasites or ghosts or whatever, all, all manner of occult um, and supernatural deities these guys are fighting. Uh, I watched the movie first, really liked it. The book is incredible. It's so much more fun. Um, the second book is also really good. It has, has a bit more of a uh, survival horror theme to it because uh, the con- concept is... It, it, this one's more like him and John being like ghost hunters and stuff. Uh, the second book is um, there's this massive like invisible spider apocalypse in the town they live in that kills like a shitload of people and becomes like a FEMA problem and there's all kind there's like that they narrowly avoid getting nuked at the end of it um and then there's uh there's also like oh i want to i want to say uh the third book is an it's it's closer to the first book i think in tone um just like with with how all that how how the like it, there's it's more like extra planar stuff and like government agency kind of things um I think the books are excellent. I think everyone should read them. Um, they are very fun in the way that I find the Laundry Files to be very fun, or they have this like supernatural elements, but there's, it's also a little nerdy. Um, in the second book, it's, it's revealed that in both books, um, at some point, John ramps a car over something. Um, and in the second book, the author reveals that, um, and I think this is like the, the actual author, because John is based off of one of his friends from high school or something. This isn't just like David Wong talking about it. Um, and it's that, that he gets to use the likeness of calling him John and like, you know, because this is his idea or something like that. As long as he has John do some like badass card trick in both in, in each of the books, um, which I thought was really funny. And that might just be like, you know, part of the lie, but it was funny to read. But yeah, they're, they're both incredible. I thought they were really fun. Um, and these are absolutely not Autumn's Cup of Tea. So what did you think about this movie? You, I made you read the book a while ago. You hated it. It's, it's, it, it, is, it has an 
unreliable narrator. It has stuff that just happens. You're like, wait, what? Because it's like barely telegraphed throughout the rest of it. Like in the book, there's a fifth character or a fourth character that all of a sudden gets mentioned and then disappears. And he goes, yeah, I forgot about that. He was there uh, because he deleted from existence when he died. So like we like you forget about him. And there are parts and if you go back, there are parts where says the four of us powdering the or the five of us powdering the truck, and I should have landed four of them. And like and you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> he's been fucking with me this entire time. Um, <sighs> yeah, I just don't really like this story. Yeah. <laughs> um, Peter rated this movie memorable, and I said. I rated Bad But Good, and I was kind of talking to Peter last night. I was like, every time... Bad But Good is kind of like the catch-all for me, right? Like, yeah. every time I use it, I feel like I use it in a different way. Because I was trying to think of how I would rate this movie, and I was like, this is just, like, not for me at all. Like, I can't say it was underwhelming, because I know the story. And I knew I wasn't gonna like it. And it wasn't, like... It was pretty true to the book. Like, it was pretty much what I expected. And at least for what I remembered of the books book and like the major plot points and it wasn't boring and it wasn't awful and I just kept thinking like I didn't like this but I would still recommend it to like the right person and so that kind of made it easy for me to pick bad but good because my thought process is like bad for me good for other people um we are gonna take a quick break it won't be a break for you um just to deal with a, a dog situation we might just cut this out <laughs> What really is difficult for me with this movie is just probably the randomness of it all and the lack of explanation. There is like a certain, I don't even know how to describe it, because there's a certain level of randomness that I actually really love, but I feel like it has to be much more like whimsical and playful, and when it's on the more like horror suspense side, it just like does not do it for me at all. The whole, the whole idea of this movie is they take this drug called the soy sauce. Yes. And it allows them to see things that other people can't see. Yes. And some parts of that are actually so cool. Like, in the beginning, we have Dave demonstrate it by telling Arnie exactly what coins are in his pocket and what the dates are on them. Yes. And that's a really cool scene. But we also see how it means... Like, the line Peter referenced at the very beginning is... John is able to be right in front of him, but also calling him on the phone to him being Dave. Yeah, he like called him a bunch of times that night, and the calls just spread out throughout like, like a like a bunch of time. You know? Yeah, because when you're on the soy sauce, you're like kind of in between things. You're not like yeah all there or all gone. Is that me? Is that me? Me on the phone? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he even he even kind of assumes it's him calling. There's a scene where he has Dave pick up a bratwurst at the yeah at the hot dog stand just to show that he could also use that as a phone because John's not like in the phone; he's in the air. Yeah, it's... he like compares himself to a radio station. Yeah, radio wave. Yeah, um, and I think that's really cool. And I mean, I think you enjoyed the be- the very beginning, not the beginning scene, the second scene in the movie. Um, where he's sort of, where they, they do the, they go to the girl's house. Yeah, it was alright. Yeah. Like, that's a, that's, that's like a conceit where you're like, oh, this could be fun, and then it got too random for you, I think, at that point. Or it was too esoteric, and like, it's, you know. Well, I mean, I knew where it was going. Yeah. I had read the book, and I knew I didn't like the book, so 
I didn't have, like, very high hopes. But, like I said, the fact that I left this being like, you know what, that was not a bad movie, it just wasn't for me, is probably the best it could have been. Yeah. And I feel like if I knew someone who I thought would really enjoy this, I would not hesitate to recommend it, because it's literally just a taste thing, not a quality thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, like, I think, like, stuff, can you see why I would have wanted to read it? knowing me and yeah after watching this is the movie. very uh something that you would like yeah well i was like oh i want to read that book when i found out it was a book you know i didn't know it was a book at the beginning and i think i saw um i think how i knew this was a book is i went to the, the we had a bookstore in our town um and i went and looked at the, the at the shelf on the shelf they had um the second one which is called this book is full of spiders seriously dude don't touch it um and on it, it said, sequel to John Dies at the End. And I was like, this is a book? <laughs> I was like, I thought this was just a weird movie. Um, so, spoiler alert, John doesn't die at the end. Um, which is actually part of why I like it so much. See, that is, when I think about the book, I had forgotten basically everything except for that. And I remember, that it just like, lie. oh, it pissed me off so much. Because in the book, I mean, if you don't know that going in... You're waiting the whole book for John to get killed, right? And, and in there the, are so many times where uh-huh. he could have been. And in the book, actually, um, it's Dave that dies. Uh, Dave Dave dies in the book, not in the movie, but in the book, Dave dies. Um, he is he is killed and replaced by this. So this this is a plotline doesn't go that doesn't appear in the movie, but he is killed and replaced by this alternate universe version of himself. Um, and they had previously dealt with someone else who would, a replacement person who was evil from this other universe. But I think the explanation is John is, or Dave is so milquetoast in this universe with his like, you know, moral compass that even an evil version of him is still just a very bland, like very bland morally guy. Right. <laughs> so, so cause he finds out at the end he find he goes he goes into this back shed that they've been avoiding right because he knows he knows that there's a dead person in there and he he finds out it's him and he finds out that he's got the marking that suggests that he's the replicant person um, and they 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 kind of reference back to that a couple times in like the next couple books um, but it's always it's 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 never like really that big of a deal because it was just like well I mean do you feel evil he's like no I feel pretty normal like. Okay then, <laughs> guess it's gonna be okay. <laughs> like the idea that like you know he killed himself or whatever or it was you forced always to. Always do this. I always start talking about the book instead of the movie. See, you even knew what I meant. <sighs> yeah. Anyway, so this movie um, it starts off with something that happens in the book, which is this really cool ship of Theseus analogy with with a wood cutting axe that they use to kill a zombie guy, right? Um, and that was fun. I really, I enjoyed watching that in, in like, in the video. That's, that's fun. It's really fun to see. Um, and then they go into this little subplot where he's sort of describing himself, um, after he's, like, met, meet Arnie, you know, and he, we get to see a bit of him and John and what they do. Um, and it, to show us that, we see a little case that they ran, right? He gets called four in the morning, or whatever, three in the morning, and it's John 
um, and John has this girl over, um, and she's like small and short and with brown hair and everything. Um, and he, and he, they, they, she says that her boyfriend's been haunting her, um, and, but he's been dead for two months. Or he's, he's like beating her, but he's been dead for two months. Um, or two weeks or whatever. And he's like, oh, okay, that is probably our purview. Previously they were like, you should, you should call, you know, law enforcement or whatever. Um, and they're like, okay, so they go, they get there, and uh, John's like making small chat about how he wants to, he's going to try to pick this chick up off the rebound, you know, like, like, be a wingman for me, you know, and uh, he's like, she looks like this girl, and they keep looking down, and then Dave goes, you said she looked like so-and-so? And John goes, yeah, yeah, like, like so-and-so. He's like, so-and-so's, like, tall and blonde. He's like, this girl is short and brunette. And they both look at each other because they know that that means that it's a ghost because ghosts, um, they they don't portray themselves as, you know, or there, there's like a thing where where ghosts will manifest to look like whatever like you want them to you, in your or head. Expect you, them to. Yes. Or... Yeah. Expect them to look like. So. They they and then they turn and she's like you know sitting creepily on the stairs bursts into a bunch of snakes or whatever and and there's this meat monster that fights and then it, they they introduce uh, Doctor Marconi who's another character in the books um, who is uh, he's like a like a Vegas magician level of like parapsych paranormal parapsychology guy um, but he's actually got, he's he's really powerful and they put him on the line with this meat monster on the phone because he thinks meat monster thinks they're Marconi. And then he, like, just kills the meat monster through the phone, basically. Which is, it's a pretty cool, like, start, right? Um, and then that gets referenced later on. So he's been having these interviews with, with Arnie, right? Um, and they, he takes him out to the back of his car, shows him one of the monsters. Arnie, like, sees him slightly. And he goes, like, oh, it's kind of, it's crazy you actually were able to see it so easily. Like, usually people have to be a little bit, you must be, like, really, like, emotionally charged right now. At least people have to be altered to see that kind of stuff, like, high or something like that. Um... And that's like the the tip off that something might not be might not be right with Arnie. And then right towards the end, they're talking, and Arnie's like, "Yeah, this is gonna be big. You know, I I, I didn't get into journalism for the money. I got into journalism to like expose stuff like this." He's like, "Back when I was in the riots in Detroit or whatever, and like something something like a cop called him the N word." Um. <laughs> they have Paul Giamatti actually say that, say it, um, and you know Dave like looks at him funny, and he's like, because he's like the whitest. He is. It's Paul Giamatti. He's like yeah. white, kind of like you know tubby looking guy, a little like like messy looking. He's got sl- him in sloppy. like outdated like eighties looking car salesman yeah. clothes. Yeah, he's they look and then and like Dave's like, why would they call you the N word? And he's like, just looks at him. He's like, he's are like, you kidding? Are you kidding? <laughs> he's like. Oh, I'm sorry, Arnie. He, like, figures it out immediately. He's like, to me, you're not black, Arnie. You look like a white, messy, sloppy, you know, journalist. He goes, we should go to your car. And then he has him open the trunk, and there's a decapitated, you know, black dude in the trunk. And he's like, he's like, they probably killed you right after, like, you got me on the phone. Um... I, I, I must have, I'm projecting you as what I imagined you looked like when we got off the phone, um, based on your voice. 
And he's like, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't mean for this to happen to you. It's this crazy, like, turn of events. I did like how the movie did that. The, like, connection from the very beginning with the girl to then the end with him. That is one thing I will say I loved. And there was another part that I really enjoyed, and that was we kind of alluded it to it. Amy is an amputee. She's missing a hand. And yes. at the very beginning, there is this kid, like, very rudely asks her about phantom limb yeah. uh, syndrome. And she's, like, pissed off at him, whatever. But it ends up becoming important because they are kidnapped because they need Amy to open this ghost door. And so Amy is able to, like, take off her prosthetic hand and use the ghost of her hand to open the ghost door. So she, like, actually has kind of, like, this special ability that nobody else has because she has the actual phantom limb. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was real good. I I love I love this franchise. The dog thing made me very sad. Yeah, oh yeah, they have a dog throughout the book who's super or movie who's super smart. Um so he's Barkley in the movie. In the book his name is her name is Molly. Um Which is our dog's, which is our dog's name, name, which I'm really glad was not the name of the dog in the movie cuz I so would the, have probably given it an awful John Asher projects through the dog a little bit um to like have it help Dave, like, he has the dog, like, drive his car through a wall to, like, help him, you know? Um, there's, there's a point at the end where the dog is revealed to be a sleeper agent and, like, helps assist destruction of this massive being called Korok, who's controlled this other reality that's trying to break through to, to our reality, right? Um, and then, like, the dog, like, you know, sacrifices itself to do it. And, uh, at the end, they're like, how did, how'd you know it works? He's like, well... We needed an operative that was innocent enough that they wouldn't suspect anything, and you guys were good handlers for the dog. That's <laughs> like okay, that's cool. I didn't realize that was a, you know, you're like you're like oh oh, so it was the dog the whole time apparently. Um, that's I mean, I- and those bits of randomness, those plot twists, I did really enjoy, and I remember enjoying like similar type plot twists in the book as well. It's just the like horror randomness i think is just like too much for me like what because i i don't like like horror or and then pairing that up which is like confusing concepts with no explanation Mm. you know like i just don't care about the soy sauce and the creatures and the i think that's the cool part for me i know but you're into that kind of stuff like this, this book was a very good book to read as a primer to the laundry files for me. Which I also did not. Which like. you also didn't like, but I, I really, I want to recommend that for your book club, but I probably won't. I don't think any of them would enjoy that. Do you think? Gina might. Okay. She's it. <laughs> She's not it. She does ads. Oh, I thought she did <laughs> it stuff. She has a she has a CS degree though. Yeah. Doesn't she? <laughs> she? She gets on I don't it. think that those things, like, go together. Anyway, the first book of that series is very Nazi-related, too. Like, they're, like, fighting the on an air buff, you know, whatever. Uh, whatever. I'm not reading that again. Once was enough. <laughs> but, anyway, yeah, I, I just, I love that stuff. Like, the, the whole, like, like, uh, other, like... It's like a version of magical realism, but it's modern day magical realism stuff, you know? Maybe that's why I hate it. Magical realism is my favorite genre, and this just, like, murders it. No, it doesn't. Magical realism <laughs> should be whimsical. 
Oh, see, yeah, she likes Magic of Realism to be whimsical. I, I'm more of the fan of the, uh, some of the gritty, fucked up, like, second world stuff, where it's like, oh, there's, there's, like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that we don't do. Yeah, I don't really like parallel universes either, so. Yeah. That maybe like, is part of it. I, I think that, that, like, that whole, like, there's a second layer that, that normal people don't ever, like, see, um, that sometimes, like, gets them, right? Like, that's very big in this series. That's very big in, in Laundry Files, at least up until the last couple of books where everything, like, went so crazy for them. Um, and then the all the SCP fiction that I read in high school is all conceptually, like, a second world that people don't... people Normal people don't really interact with until they get killed by it, right? Which, I, I don't know, I really like that as a concept. It's very cool to me. Yeah. You anything else for this? No, that's it. We've talked a lot tonight, and it's past my bedtime, and I still have stuff that I need oh to do. Oh my god, it's 10.15. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Okay, well, see you later. I take the dog back out. <laughs>